right. Well, welcome everybody. We want to say a special welcome not only to our Henderson location, but to Summerlin and Sunrise Mountain, Southern Highlands, to our Kingman family, to those uh, watching online and those joining us at different prison facilities around the country in our partnership with God Behind Bars. Thank you guys for being with us. We're glad to have you. Well, it is Super Bowl weekend, and uh, I've seen a lot of things flying around on social media about the Super Bowl. For instance, uh, this was a slide that Sports Center put up um, as it uh, related to uh, the Super Bowl. Well, not that slide. That's a different slide. That's a slide my friend who's a Chiefs fan put up. Uh, watching the Patriots go to another Super Bowl is like putting Tabasco sauce in your eyes. So there, there. Some, how many of you feel like that? Okay, you're already there. All right, let's go to the next slide. We'll bring this up. Tom Brady has been to more Super Bowls than all of these teams combined. Look at these teams. The Bears, the Browns, I mean, the Jets, the Saints, the Texans, the Titans, the Lions, the Jaguars, I mean, the Chargers. Uh, it's unbelievable when you think about it. Like, Tom Brady's been to more Super Bowls than all of these teams combined. Dang. One friend of mine here at Central who's a Patriots fan sent me this image, which uh, he particularly loved. It was, says, uh, Tom Brady, big beard, gray, 2032 Super Bowl MVP. It's starting to feel that way, isn't it? It's like, who's going to play the Patriots this year? Um, I don't know who's going to win in the Super Bowl, but I know whoever's going up against the Patriots is facing some Giants. Tom Brady, Belichick, this team that's won more than any team in history. In fact, this team that will probably, it's a, it's a record that will probably never be matched or repeated. Amazing. And what I know about the future is no matter who wins the football game, you and I in our lives are going to face some giants. We're going to face our own giants. We're going to face our own battles. And giants come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, you may face the giant of fear or the giant of loneliness, the giant of betrayal or the giant of rejection. You may face uh, the giant of abandonment in your life. You may face the giant of bitterness. You may face the giant of depression. It's all kinds of giants that we may face in our life. So I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know, friends, that we will face our giants. And so on this Super Bowl weekend, I want to talk to you about how we can face the giants in our lives with faith. And to do that, I want to look at one of the most classic stories in all of the Bible. That is the story of David and Goliath. So let me just kind of set the scene, because a lot of people have heard about this story. You may kind of know about it, but you may have never really dug into it. So let me set the scene. There's a valley, and the Philistine army is on one side of the valley, and the Israelite army is on the other side of the valley, and they're kind of all positioned. And there's a man named Goliath, this Philistine warrior, who steps out from the Philistine side. Now, we get a picture of what he looks like. We'll bring it up here. First Samuel 17, beginning in verse 4. I'll just read this to you. First Samuel 17, verse 4. It says, then Tom Brady. Hey, oh, wait. It says, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Just that, 125 pounds, people. 
It says he also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. So the armor bearer would go ahead like with a life-size shield and walk ahead of him. This is a dude nine feet tall who's probably got over 200 pounds of gear like that he's just carrying. Goliath. Right, and Goliath steps out and begins, begins to taunt the Israelite army. He curses their God. He curses their faith, their religion. It's like on the school playground when you start talking about yo mama. Right? It was on now. It was next level, right? He's doing everything he can to get them to, like, come across the line. Somebody come fight me. And it's this sort of traditional Eastern way of fighting where one person would step out from one army, and they would challenge one other person to step out from their army, and whoever won the battle, winner take all. We don't have to have a war. Goliath would step out and say, hey, just come on, bring it. One person, and whoever wins, wins everything. Now, do you think Goliath just went out every now and then, a day here and there, once or twice? <laughs> Let's read about it. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 16, it says, for 40, let, let's just read this together, the red words. It says, for what? For 40 days, 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. That's just like a giant. Right? A giant doesn't just come once in our lives. A giant comes again and again and again. Morning and evening, the giant comes and hammers our heart with fear. I don't know what giants you're facing in your life, but my hunch is they keep coming back again and again and again. And if they're anything like Goliath, the text sort of implies that he would go out, and uh, when he would go out, he would go a little further every time. You know, take a little more ground, intimidate him a little more, get a little more closer to their side, and just push him back a little bit more and a little bit more as he taunted. Forty days, every morning and every evening, he came out and cursed their God cursed what they held most valuable, cursed who they were as people, and said, send me one warrior. I'll feed him to the birds of the air and to the animals. So as we begin to look at this story, we're going to learn some valuable principles about how we can face giants in our lives today. And one of the first is simply this, prepare today. Prepare today, because what you do today prepares you for the giants you're going to face tomorrow. Prepare today. What you do today gets you ready for the giants that you're going to face in your life tomorrow. Uh, there's a book that I'm pretty fond of. It's just got some great funny stuff in it. It's called uh, The Ultimate Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen this book, but it's classic, right? And uh, <clears throat> it often gives advice for what to do if you find yourself in an absolute worst case scenario. And so the image on the cover refers to one of these scenarios. It's how to survive an elephant stampede. So just in case you're out there and all of a sudden there's an elephant stampede, like you want to know what to do, right? But often the book gives you advice that doesn't sound very helpful. For example, it says, take available cover. Well, okay, if the elephants are running away from a threat but towards you, do not try to outrun them. Elephants can run at a speed in excess of 25 miles per hour. 
Climb a tree, that's another one. If you cannot climb the tree, stand behind it. And then look at this image, lie down. If you cannot find cover, lie down. Elephants typically avoid stepping on a prone human being even while charging. Seriously? Like, you want me to just lie down on the ground? Then it does say, protect your face. After the threat has passed, an elephant may show great interest in the apparently dead bodies of humans and may attempt to bury you under tree branches, leaves, and dirt. You know, the best time to prepare for a worst case scenario is before you're in a worst case scenario. I'm just not sure that book is gonna be a whole lot of help, right? I mean. David finds himself in kind of a worst-case scenario here in just a moment, but he gets up like any other morning. Because if you go about 10 to 15 miles from where the battle is, you get to this little hamlet known as Bethlehem. And at Bethlehem was a guy named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. The youngest son was named David. David was just a kid. He was a shepherd. He, his job was to take care of the sheep, the livestock. And so he would go out and watch over the sheep and take care of them. We also learned that David was a musician. He played his instruments. He sang to God. He had a, a deep faith in his life. But his life was primarily about simple things in obscurity. And that particular morning, he got up like any other morning. And this is how it is in our lives. You never know when you're going to face a giant. You just get up in the morning, and you don't realize that today may be the defining moment in your life. David is about to have the defining moment of his life. He's about to have one of the most defining moments in the story of the nation of Israel. He's about to have a moment that will one day launch him to be the future king of Israel, and he has no idea. He just gets up like any other morning and goes about his normal stuff, being a shepherd, taking care of the sheep, doing his thing. But you get the sense that David, that he basically went after little things with big faith, that he was faithful with the little God provided for him. His father Jesse comes to him and says, hey, your brothers are with the Israelite army. They're encamped, getting ready for battle. And he goes, I want you to deliver some food and supplies and then report back to me and see, see how they are. So David just sort of gets up, gets ready. I don't know if he'd ever heard of Goliath. I don't know if he'd ever been to the battle and seen it. There's no indication that he had. But he basically goes on an errand. He's like DoorDash or Postmates. He's delivering food for his brothers, making sure they have what they need, and he's going to bring a report back for his dad. That's all it was, right? A little errand trip for the little young tyke David, the youngest in the family. So he, he goes up. He shows up at the, at the place where the armies have formed, and he begins to look around, and he's talking to his brothers. And check out what we read, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. We get to the red word. Just read it out loud here together with me. He says, as he, David, was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David, what? Heard. I don't know that he had ever heard before, but now he heard. It says he heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. 
So here's the Israelite army, right? Like, woo! They're all running away and fight. Can you imagine the scene? And here's David. He's just DoorDash delivering food, right? And all of a sudden, Goliath is taunting his God and taunting his people and taunting his nation. And everybody runs away, and he's the only guy left standing there. Where'd everybody go? And David doesn't react to the size of his adversary. He reacts to the size of his God. And he says, how can this be? He starts asking people, like, how, what, who, who's, are we allowing this? You're allowing this guy to come out and say this kind of stuff about God? and about, Like, you're allowing this to happen? Nobody's dealing with him? Nobody's, and then he starts asking, like, well, you know, what are the rewards if you were to take out Goliath, right? Like, what's the king promising if you were to take out Goliath? So David says, I'll take him out. I'll take care of him. I'll solve this problem for you. And the way I think he was able to have that kind of heart is he had prepared every day in the little things in his life. What you do today prepares you for the giants you face tomorrow. David had prayed. He had written songs to God. When uh, the lion or the bear had tried to attack his sheep, he had gone out and defended his sheep against those animals. And by taking on the little tasks that were entrusted to him with big faith, David had learned of God's faithfulness. He knew who had his back. I mean, you may feel like right now you're in a place of obscurity in your life. You may feel like nobody's paying attention, nobody's looking, nobody's watching. Maybe you thought you'd be in a different place or you'd have more success or more uh, money or more influence or more power. And, and right now you're just kind of in a place where you feel like you're sort of in isolation, almost in holding. But don't despise small beginnings. Listen, God can do his greatest work in the small beginnings in our lives. He, begin, he can begin to form us and shape us in ways that we don't even realize we're actually preparing for the giant we will one day face. We're going to hear David talk about how he faced the lion and faced the bear, but I want you to think about this. David faced the lion and the bear to protect the sheep, but every time he did, I'm not sure he was aware, every victory prepared him for the real giant that was to come. You may be facing some lions in your own life right now. You may have some bears in your own life. Listen, they may be God's way of preparing you for the giant that is still to come. And so if you'll allow God to work in your heart and shape you, you'll be prepared when that moment happens. Second principle for how to face a giant is simply this, to focus on what God has done. Focus on what God has done. I saw this text message. I thought it was funny. Uh, let's, let's bring it up on the screen. Uh, check this out. person says, I'm here for you. They said, thanks. I'm going through a tough time, so it means a lot. And sorry, I lost all my contacts. Who is this? <laughs> This is your Uber driver. I'm here to pick you up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, David basically shows up. He goes, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. And eventually, he gets an audience with King Saul, who's the king of Israel, you know. And he gets this audience with Saul, and he goes in, and Saul looks at him, and he's like, you're just like a little tyke. You're just like a little kid. This is a trained warrior who knows what he's doing. You're going to get killed if you go out there and try to fight Goliath. And so David looks at him, and he recounts his story. Check this out. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. 
Let's bring it up. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. <laughs> He says, too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. It says, the Lord who, what? Rescued. There it is. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and from the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Then it says, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Now, Saul, Bible tells us, was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. Saul was the man who was supposed to go out and fight the battle. But instead, he goes ahead and sends a little teenage boy out with this sort of prayer, which I, I, I read kind of mocking, like, yeah, good luck. God be with you. First, he tries to fit him with his armor, and David says, I can't wear all this heavy armor. I can't move this armor. I mean, he's too small for the armor. He says, I don't need the armor. And he goes out. But here's what I want you to notice. When David's facing the giant, his focus is not on the size of the adversary. His focus is on the advantage that he has because of his faith. His focus is on what God has done in his life, right? That's what he keeps recalling. What does he say to say? He says, hey, look, look, look. I faced worse than Goliath. I faced the lion. I faced the bear. God's already showed himself faithful to me. When you and I face a giant in our lives, sometimes the temptation is, is to focus on the size of the giant and the strength of the giant and to just feel overwhelmed by the giant. Sometimes, like the Israelite army, we want to run away in fear from the giant. But David gives us inspiration. When you're facing a giant, you have to focus on what God has already done in your life. You have to remind yourself that there was a time when you were down and out and God showed up and moved in the midst of that situation. There was a time when you were forgotten and God showed up and reminded you he was still there and still present. There was a time when you were hurting and broken and God came and put you back together. There was a time when you were overwhelmed and God did own thing only God could do. And you got to look at that giant and remind yourself, God has done it before in my life. He will do it again. He'll do it again. You gotta focus on what God has done for you and in you and through you to prepare you to begin to face the giant in your life. Remember what he's done, remember who he is, remember how he can work in your life. Then you'll be empowered thirdly to find opportunity in the obstacle. Find opportunity in the obstacle. Malcolm Gladwell um, is a business writer and uh, consultant. He's written some very successful books, writes a lot about marketing and other things. Um, very smart guy. And he picked up on the story of Goliath from kind of a business standpoint, and he brought out a few interesting theories about Goliath. On the one hand, he says, Goliath may have not been as big of a threat as we often think he was. He probably had giantism, giant like Andre the Giant or the... Guinness world record holder for the tallest man. Giantism comes with a lot of health complications, one of which your joints ache and hurt, you can often be dizzy, you're slow, your vision isn't very good, 
And he says, you know, when you look at the story, it's interesting because what is Goliath always saying? Goliath is always saying to people, come to me, come and fight me, come to me. <laughs> Not only that, later we'll see when David comes to him, he has one stick in his hand, but Goliath, uh, he, he literally says, will you come at me with sticks like a dog? Which may imply that he couldn't see very well. He may have had a lot of issues going on in his life that actually limited him as a warrior. Not only that, David wasn't simply a kid with a sling. Slings were powerful weapons. A slinger could actually knock a bird out of the air with that kind of accuracy. And with the stones that David could have got in that ravine, in that part of the world at the time, they would have had about the stopping power coming out of a slingshot of a 45 Magnum. Now, if you can aim a sling tight enough to knock a bird out of the sky, <laughs> Gladwell suggests maybe David knew exactly what he was doing. And maybe he knew, I got this big, slow, bat, 200-pound, and I'm going to take him out. I don't need armor for that. And it just reminds all of us, I think, to remember, sometimes all we see is the giant in front of us and we get paralyzed. David saw the opportunity in front of him and the God who was behind it all, who was bigger than the giant, who could help him and empower him. David looked past the immediate problem to see through faith what God could do. There is an obstacle. Listen, faith finds the, op the opportunity in every obstacle. And in every, op in every obstacle, there is opportunity if we will look through the eyes of faith. In our hardships, in our difficulties, in our pain, in our suffering, David found the opportunities. He looked for the opportunities. So the Philistine comes out. You got to imagine the scene. Like, they're all kind of lined up. David goes down and he starts picking out stones from a little creek down in the ravine. He's trying to get five smooth stones pulled together. And I imagine the Philistines are having a party on their side. You know, it's been nothing but a party for 40 days. Like, we got this thing. It's in the bag. Just hasn't quite happened yet, but it will soon. And then somebody looks down and goes, well, what is that? Well, did somebody come out from the Israelite side? Is somebody stepped out from the Israelite army? Somebody go get, somebody go wake Goliath up. Go get Goliath. They get Goliath up with get him all dressed up with his 200 pounds of gear. Here comes Goliath, right? He walks out and he says, what are you? You come at me with, with like a kid? You come at me like a dog with sticks? He says, you know, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take you out. But I want you to look at what David says back to Goliath. Got to love this. First Samuel 17, verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This is a little dot, dot, dot right there. I was just trying to tighten it up, but this is where David says, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to feed it to the birds of the air. Then he goes on. And everyone assembled here will know that the what? The Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. It's kind of a Braveheart moment, right? Those are fighting words right there. It's, uh, it's on now. Your mama's this, your mama's that, and it is on. 
And I want you to know how David handled it. Look at this very next uh, section, 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 4 today. As Goliath moved closer to attack. So here's Goliath lumbering along. What does it say? It says, David quickly what? Ran out to meet him. Gotta love that. This is a brave heart moment. This is a kid with five stones and a slingshot and no armor, and he's not waiting for the giant to come to him. He runs to the battle. And it says he ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, one stone, which tells you he was good, and he probably knew he was good. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead with the power of a 45 Magnum. What does it say? The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. The bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? Now, they, they lived in a different time. You read the story, David does go off and take off his head. And you read that he also collects all of his weapons. And if you follow the story, it's fascinating. David takes Goliath's weapons and keeps them. He takes them back to his tent, it says. I wonder if he kept those weapons the rest of his life. Look at that spear that weighs more than him leaning up against his tent and just remind himself, God's done it before. God can do it again. God rescued me before. He could do it again. We all need those reminders. We've all faced giants already, haven't we? You faced some giants, and God saw you through. God was faithful even in the midst of it. God showed us victory many times when we didn't deserve it. And sometimes you got to look around and just remind yourself, he did it before. He'll do it again. He did it before in my family. God, I claim it. You will do it again. You did it before with my kids. God, I pray you will do it again with my grandkids. You did it with my uh, uh, church. God, I pray you do it again as we go into the future. God has done it before. He showed up when we didn't deserve it, and he will do it again. So how do you face that giant? Will you prepare today? Because what you do today gets you ready to face the giant tomorrow. And then you focus on what God has done. And then you find the opportunity in the obstacle. You see it with eyes of faith. And you move forward to seize it. You know, this is Super Bowl weekend. One of my favorite uh, uh, people that's ever been in the whole football league is Tony Dungy incredible coach and uh, individual. And Tony Dungy faced a lot of giants in his life, but he overcame them. It was interesting, he says uh, early on in his coaching career in a Bible study, he was convicted and reached out to Jesus and asked for forgiveness and for Christ to work in his life, and he reshuffled his priorities. He said, Christ would be first, my family would be second, and then football. Well, nobody really does that in football, even if they say it. Like, priorities are always football first. But anybody who knows the life of Tony Dungy knows, like, no, he meant it. And he would tell people in interviews, even after a loss, like, yeah, it's only football. 
it's not the most important thing. And so he had to overcome a lot of different giants. And eventually he went on and he became, after he was let go from the Buccaneers, took him all the way to the playoffs, then was let go, then went to the Colts, then they were doing well, then um, his, I believe, 18-year-old son took his life. Tony had to speak at his son's funeral. you imagine that? He challenged people to hold on to their kids and love their families and follow God. And then with his family's blessing, he went back onto the sidelines a few weeks later and he was coaching again. And eventually he led the Colts, the Colts to a Super Bowl, the first African-American coach to ever win a Super Bowl. But after it was all over in an interview, again, he reaffirmed, it was so powerful, he reaffirmed that the most important thing wasn't winning. The most important thing wasn't winning a Super Bowl and, and doing all the things everybody often thought was most important. He said, the most important thing in my life is that I glorify God. That's it. And I think that's true for all of us, right? The most important thing is that we glorify God. David got so angry at Goliath, not because there was just a guy out there in armor, but because the guy was tearing down his God, and he wanted to bring glory and honor to God in his life. And in our lives, no matter what we face, look, just bringing glory to God is something you can do at work. It's something you can do at home. It's something you can do everywhere you go in your life. God can show up and work in it as you do. So maybe this week you're facing a giant and maybe the challenge today is to just look at that giant differently. Maybe that giant isn't as scary as you thought he was or she was. <laughs> maybe that giant isn't as powerful as the power you've given them in your heart and in your life. Your God is more powerful. And maybe there are opportunities here if you'll just see with the eyes of faith that you couldn't see any other way. Maybe some of us, we've been cowering in fear because of our giants, and it's just time to stand up in the courage of faith and say, I'm going to face my giants today. Because giants don't just sit back. They take a little more ground in our heart and a little more ground and a little more ground, and they come further and further into our lives. And sometimes you have to say, enough, I'm going to face this giant. And by the power and the grace of God, you can face the giant. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Listen, in David's life, he went on because of this. He was not only rewarded, Saul brought him onto his staff, so to speak. The songs began to be written about David and his courage and his faith. This became the turning moment in his life that launched him from being an obscure shepherd boy to literally being the king of Israel. And it was a long journey to get there. But because he prepared every day and his heart was ready, when the giant came, David leaned on God in faith and ran to attack the giant. And it became his greatest opportunity. Maybe the biggest giant you're facing is actually the greatest opportunity in disguise. And if you'll stand up and face faith and face that giant, maybe you'll see God show up and do a miracle that you could never have anticipated. I don't know where you're at in your life today, but the greatest giant in all of our lives, according to the Bible, is the giant of sin. 
And Jesus came and lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death on the cross and rose again so that sin could be defeated, so that we could all walk in forgiveness and freedom in our lives. He's already conquered the giant for us. And so today's an opportunity for some of us. If God has been tapping you on the shoulder, if he's calling you to come home to him, then I'm just gonna give you an opportunity to reach out to him and receive his love in your life today. Would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air wherever you're at. Just slip your hand in the air and acknowledge you're going to follow him in your life today. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill them with your peace, your joy. May they know that you've got their backs, that you're watching over them, that you're present and powerful to save. And God, may we all walk in your power this week as we follow you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.